What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Car Stuff. Uh, we are here at what part three now? Yeah, of this uh, the series on um, highway safety films, highway uh, highway or drivers' ed scare films. Sure, I guess. yeah. Um, this is unprecedented for us, right? This no, no, you know it's not unprecedented. We've <laughs> well, done this one other time in our eight year history or seven year history, whatever. Right, it is. The saga of Preston Tucker. Yeah, that's right. Preston Tucker was the only other one that we felt uh, compelled to extend to three episodes, but. This story, this uh, this this highway safety films, highway safety foundation story. Yeah, there's. I'll, I'll tell you when we get done with the third part of this episode. Even we're going to cover scandals and and alleged scandals today. Sure. Um, there's so much more to it than this. I mean, it, it goes way way deeper than this. We can't cover. We can't possibly cover everything in the three hours that we have to talk about it. Yeah, I I think one of the best things to do if you want to learn more about this really is to look at the film itself, but be warned, as we, as I've been saying that for the past two episodes, be warned before you watch this. I think you and I are on the same page, Scott. This is inappropriate for kids. The uh, documentary as well. Yeah, I would say you're right. I think that, uh, it's probably not something that you want to sit down with the family and watch on, you know, for the Friday evening for, uh, for movie night or something. Right. Um, again, the documentary is called Hell's Highway, the true story of highway safety films. And it, and it's by Brett Wood, uh, 2003. It's about an hour and a half long. Um, it, it, it highlights or it goes over the history of the Highway Safety Foundation and the Highway Safety Films Inc. Uh, company that put together these, uh, these shocking films for driver's ed students in the 1960s, 1970s, um, even all the way in through the 1980s, but in a different form. Um, it's it's the uh, it's the scared straight version of driver's ed films is what it is really right and the organization that produced these uh, violent graphic films using real footage of car accidents uh, off, sometimes fatal right yeah oftentimes fatal oftentimes fatal uh, this this group had I, I guess the you know the calculus there was that they were saving people. Mm-hmm. So maybe even the idea that these deaths via uh, car accidents don't occur in vain in some way. And that's that's 
in some ways, Scott, I think that is a noble idea that we could save people's lives. You uh, took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to use the word noble because I think that's what they thought they were. Mm-hmm. However, when they were in the classrooms, when they when they actually put these into play in 1959 or 1960, I guess because it was shot. In, I think it was 1959. Um, some parents were outraged by it. They said, you can't show this to my, my child. I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're scarring them. They came home and they told me of these horrific scenes that they, they have witnessed on, on the, you know, in the classroom. And other parents were saying, you know what? I'm glad you're showing them that because that's going to be a lesson that's going to stick with them the rest of their life. They're going to, they're going to see that and remember it. And I'll tell you what, Ben, I've watched a bunch of these films, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, you know, clips of others that I couldn't find the full film for. You know, some of them aren't available, but, it's something that's going to stick with me forever now, and I'm I'm mid forties. Yeah, and I tell you, I, we've talked about this in the past when we when we initially started talking about doing this uh, this this is a topic. You and I had a sit down here in this in this room, this very room. Yeah, and we talked for a good hour, maybe even an hour and a half, <laughs> right. about what we thought about it. Uh, this is outside of the podcast, not even recorded. And I, I said, you know what, I'm. I myself am pretty jaded to these types of images. Sure. I've seen a lot of, you know, crime scene photos. I'm a true crime fan. You're a true crime fan. As are you. Yes. And that has led me to search for some things that I wish I hadn't searched after I saw what I saw. Yeah. Um, Things you can't unsee, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you need Um, some eye bleach. But, but, I mean, that's where I'm I'm coming from is that I've seen a lot of horrific things that I I necessarily didn't intend to see. Mm -hmm. Some that later I did search out. Yes, sir, but... um, Stuff that it's it's difficult to get the stuff that I've seen in these films from you know almost sixty years ago out of my head now. I think about these all the time. I, for the last few weeks since we've been recording these episodes, I, I just cannot get this, these images out of my head. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm and I have every time before this too. But it, buckle your seatbelt. Let's just put it that way. Buckle right. your seatbelt. You know, use every safety precaution you can. Don't distracted you know drive distracted that kind of thing I, yeah. I mean honestly it will it's a message that will stick with you yes and we're going to look at some of the dirty laundry we mentioned earlier yes and where would you like to start because um and i don't know if we can even go chronologically here i mean we could try um but you want to <laughs> wow there's a there's a lot here so you know you can imagine that you know some things are said about these uh these filmmakers yes. along the way that, mm-hmm. that may, maybe are not necessarily true. They're trying to discredit them in some way. They're right. saying a smear campaign. Yeah, if they're going to show this to kids, imagine what they're doing. Where the stuff that we don't really see. Yeah. So they worked with the Ohio State Highway Patrol on these films, right? They they had some kind of cooperation with them, you know, yes. them to come to the scenes, etc. The the Ohio State Highway Patrol, however, did not fund any of these films. They never paid for the films to be made. But they did allow them to be made with them for the exposure. That was their their goal in using these films or in, in assisting with these. Films. Right. It was a it was a partnership. They were not financially, or at least as far as we could tell, they were not financially affiliated. We do know that Wayman uh, did at, did function as a police booster, so he made donations. I imagine to yeah. uh, police oriented or state trooper oriented uh, charities. Sure, and you know what. He probably felt compelled in, in a lot of ways to do that because, of course, the the tremendous access they're giving them, yeah. uh, the friendship that he had developed with John Butler, who was the chief of police of the Mansfield, Ohio, uh, um, station, I guess, for the Ohio State Highway Patrol. Um, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where he's uh, he's he's saying, yeah, I'm I've, I've seen a benefit from my dollars here. I know where I know where they're going. It's mm-hmm. going to a good cause. Of course, I'm going to donate to that. I'll yeah. donate to the policeman's ball or whatever. But uh, as we were saying, the the 
the Ohio law enforcement loves these guys. Mm-hmm. They have a very close symbiotic relationship. Uh, and then because they agree in the message as well. Right. Right. Because they're both at the end of the day aiming to save people's lives, even though this is a disturbing way to do it. Yeah, they sure. They've got the message of, you know, don't don't speed, you know, don't drink while you're driving. Don't right. distract and drive. Don't um you know, don't make poor choices beforehand. You know, like don't don't uh, skip a full night of sleep and then try to make a, a trip across uh, across the state. Bad ideas, and here's why. And we'll we'll show you in graphic detail why that's a bad idea. So they had a, they had a similar um, goal, a similar similar focus in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the but spoiler alert: things weren't perfect. Yeah, uh, because they we mentioned earlier, and we should just we should just get this. Out there, Scott. Uh, we mentioned this earlier. They made a bunch of auto-related films, sure, but those were not the only PSAs they made. Yeah, so driving safety was one focus, and right. other PSAs would focus on things like, um, uh, like fraud in the workplace, or sure. um, you know, other stuff like that. You know, that you would kind of expect. But there was one that was really, really dark. Yeah, and it was an episode entitled a film called uh, "The Child Molester," mm-hmm. and this was oh man, this is a, this is something that just kind of came out of left field for me. I didn't expect this really at all. And here's the thing with this film, Ben. I've seen I've seen clips of this because I thought I'm going to check out what you know. They, they said it was like over the top, creepy narration. Right. The way it was the way it was acted. Um, I found out that uh, that that this was shown to. You know, kindergarten age children, ages which, five and six, which is, I, I think, a form of emotional abuse almost. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is 1964 when they're doing this, and this film, even to watch it now, is is it's unbelievable. Um, it's it was shown uh, all the way through the mid 1970s, and there were a couple of guys. The reason that we're bringing this up is because it's it it appears in the documentary. Yeah, and because otherwise it wouldn't be on our radar. Even we probably wouldn't even known it existed, but. Um, there were a couple of kids that were interviewed, or they were kids at the time, in the 1970s, mid-1970s, that saw this film, this child molester film that was made by Highway Safety Films, Inc., mm-hmm. or the Highway Safety Foundation. And I'll tell you, the, the way the two of these kids dealt with it was totally different. I mean, they both agreed that it was disturbing. It was uh, right. something that they didn't want to ever see again. They both acted very strange about it when asked about it. And these are guys that are now, uh, you know, they're, they're my age. They're mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Um one, I believe, said, I will never watch that again. The other one, I think, and I'm, I'm trying to remember or recall now, it's been a couple of weeks, but I think one said that I watched it again and I couldn't believe what I saw. Right. And they both have some images burned in their head because like the highway safety films, not through the whole thing, most of it was acted and scripted. Right. But at the end of this film, and I don't know, I don't know why, what they were thinking when they did this, but they, they showed a couple of victims of, uh, of um, abuse. Of, well, of abuse. These were these were dead children. Yeah. They showed dead children, and to another to show that to a five or six year old, and these are like crime scene photos. Um, it, it's it's oh, really right. really bad. I mean, these are bad. And and one of the guys said, "I have almost blocked that out of my head completely. I seem to remember bits and pieces, and I think I remember what I saw, but it was so traumatic to me that it's like one of those moments that you you just put out of your head." Um, I felt awkward even listening to him talk about it like yeah they shouldn't even be talking with him about it. if he forgot about it that's probably good i mean i didn't watch i, I didn't watch the thing i that's what, well that's I, the only one that i didn't watch i didn't watch the full thing either i i, I caught little bits and pieces of it and yeah because they um, have it interspersed in hell's highway well that too yeah but um it really is uh it's very dark very uh very dark so let's put that 
let's put that in the present context. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, you know, a lot of you uh, probably have kids, right? You've got some kids. Mm-hmm. And how how would you react, you know, this day and age, if that film was shown to your kindergarten age child? Oh. You know, what's it like to be a teacher and told to play that film? Yeah, I know it's different times, but even even so, back then, I, I mean... To think of, uh, you know, like my parent, my parents having to see that and yeah. when they were growing up, um, that would be awful. I mean, they were a little older at that point. My parents would have been. But, I mean, that's a line um, in the sand, though. That yeah. is, that is too, that is too far. It's over the line. It's clearly like it traumatized some kids. I, this is where I think the argument that we might be saving lives starts to fall apart because you can warn children about not talking to strangers. Without showing pictures of corpses, it, yes, of other children, yes, yeah. and it's 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 horrible for adults to even see this. I mean, it's it's yeah. really uh, it's it's tough to it's tough to put this all into words and make it make sense to you. But it's kind of the same argument that goes with the highway safety films, the drivers' uh, uh, films, I guess. Right. In that, where's that line? Where do you where do you cross the line? And did they cross the line with this? And I think that it's almost universally agreed that it, with uh, with you know, the uh, the child molester film that they did mm-hmm. cross the line with that one. And that's not the only. <laughs> yeah. OK, here's another one. That's, that's not the it, only skeleton. And I, I did not to make this any lighter or anything, but this is a, a little better, I guess. Yeah. Um, in that uh, they were asked at some point, and I don't remember what year this was, but the because of the type of technology, they had really good camera equipment. And they knew something about filmmaking, knew about documentary making mm-hmm. um, in Mansfield, Ohio. And the Ohio State Patrol were having problem with, of all things, Ben, having problem with homosexual activity yeah. in the town square. There was a there was a bathroom that was like a, a bathroom that you would walk downstairs and go underneath the town square. Yeah, it's like a public restroom. Yeah, public restroom. Good way to say it. It's public restroom. You <laughs> simplified it. Public restroom. And they knew that this activity is going on, but, you know, there were systems in play, you know, like alert systems or whatever, so that they never caught these guys doing what they're doing in public because it was like, a, you know, lewd behavior in public or whatever it would yeah. be, right? Okay. So they developed a system where there was like a, a, a one-way mirror, and these guys would sit behind the one-way mirror with their, their camera equipment and record the happenings of these these public restrooms, the, this this homosexual activity, yeah. um, and... And then take the films to the police, and the police would look at it and uh, round, try to identify yeah, the, the perps. Yeah. Round up the perps. You're right. That was what they would do. And, okay, there's a lot of things uh, wrong with that, right? Yeah. And, but they put together uh, all this stuff, and they, they would use it in court cases against these guys mm-hmm. uh, for you know, the lewd acts, et cetera. But this, this led to, and this is one of the, the, uh, the, the, the skeletons in the closet, I guess. This led to a lot of rumors that the Highway Safety Foundation was creating pornographic films, adult films that they were creating. And here's the rumor that they were creating these on this, uh, this tour bus that they had. And that was like how they were making money on the side. That's how they were keeping their industry going. So they're making, they're saying they're making driver's ed films for, for students. At the same time, they're making adult films uh, that they're selling on the side. And, and this is one thing where, you know, it probably went on for years and years where they thought that this was the truth. They thought this was really happening. And, John Butler, the uh, the chief of police from the uh, Mansfield, Ohio station of the Ohio State Patrol or Highway Patrol, um, in that in that documentary Hell's Highway, he he adamantly states, "I don't really know where that rumor got started." He said, "Well, I, right. I know how it got started. I don't know who started it, and I can tell you, you know, my take on this or what really happened." He said that the undercover surveillance footage from 
uh, from all that, that activity under there in the, uh, in, in the, in the public restroom was what people were misconstruing as them actually filming. Filming an adult film. Yeah, an adult film. That's right. So he said, you know, the, the camera surveillance stuff is, is, is what they thought it was. That's, that's the, the root of all these reports. It's not that they were making films that no one really saw or that they, they were marketing somewhere else. Right. That really didn't happen. It was a confusion over what they saw. They saw those films and, and put the two together and made up their own background, you know, a but, story. But also, right. But also, that is, that is so illegal, right? The mm-hmm. stuff that, the, on, well, on both sides, cause I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Now call me a square if you must, but I'm pretty sure that that kind of activity in a public space, uh, is illegal. Yeah. And I'm also fairly certain that secretly recording people without their consent and then using it in the way that they were using it is also illegal. Also true. So they're not really any heroes in this story. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, we're, we might not have all the details that's exactly true, right true. here. I mean, take a look at what, uh, you know, you can look back at the court cases and figure out what happened there. Right. And, you know, how they were recorded. There was no posting that they were going to be recorded. They may be recorded in this area, anything like that. I mean, um, the details of the case, I mean, that's that's something you'll have to look up on your own. But, right. but honestly, there's a lot of uh, a lot of gray areas in this in this part of the story. One other thing that's happening. So this is uh, that's happening like mid 1960s. Yes. In 1971, um, you remember we we mentioned uh, Phyllis Vaughn as the the number two photographer for um, mm-hmm. who was working with Wayman back in the early days when they were just shooting stills. Well, in 1971, uh, Phyllis Vaughn uh, died of kidney failure, or that's what they thought. Allegedly died. Yeah. Of kidney yeah. Failure. So there was an investigation into whether or not she, uh, you know, had died of kidney failure or not. And some people had said that Phyllis Vaughn was actually killed in 1971. Yes, was murdered. Uh, these, th- these rumors, um, a lot of these can be traced to a private investigator, PI, former journalist, fellow by the name of Martin Yant. Mm-hmm. Now, is Yant the one that was in the documentary? Was it, was it Yant? Uh, one of one of the uh, private investigators, and I don't know one if it's Martin was Yant or not. But um, would you say Martin Yant? Yes. Right? I'm not sure if he's the one that appears in this film or not, or this documentary. But I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But a lot of that stuff does come from him. So mm-hmm. there is some suspicion there, and there's some there's definitely something to it. But I don't exactly know the details behind it. Again, it's like one of these things we're going to have to uh, dig further into. But right. we've already got so much material. Um, all right, Ben, I hate to uh, break up the rhythm here of what we've got going on with this story, but we do have to stop for a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. 
Papertarians know that it's the smart choice too, because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource, and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. What, what about another scandal? Ben? Well, uh, another scandal would be uh, the, okay, another scandal would be, the, let's see, we did the production of adult films, yeah. the murder, oh, yes. The telethon. The telethon, yeah. yeah. The infamous telethon, because Wayman mm-hmm. was incredibly connected by the 1970s. Let's say that, you know, he's been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah. He's got contacts that range all the way from the President of the United States down to you know celebrities, yeah. uh, police, everyone in between. Sammy Davis Jr. is on this telephone. Is only one of the celebrities that appear. Yeah, this is screened across the United States. Yeah, and this is strange. Now, I, I originally didn't understand why Sammy Davis Jr. would be so into traffic safety, and then I realized, and I remembered something—a little little fact I knew about Sammy Davis. But I had once heard that Sammy Davis Jr. had lost an eye in a car accident. So I dug into that. And I found out that, yes, indeed, in 1954, he had lost an eye in an auto accident. He was in a Cadillac, I believe. Ah. And the horn button was bullet-shaped, and that, that pierced his left eye during this accident. Because there was, was a, no collapsible it, steering column. Exactly right. And you know, I don't know about the seatbelts or anything like that, but he was in a 1954-55 Cadillac. And, uh, again, he lost his eye. He, he later had a glass eye fitted, but um, he was a big advocate for... Uh, driving safety for automobile safety. Yeah. And so that led he and Wyman together. And, and so Sammy Davis Jr. decided that, well, together they decided that if they were to put on a telethon, because they both knew a lot of people. Sammy Davis obviously knew a lot of, uh, a lot of celebrities. Mm-hmm. Could get a lot of people behind this, but it, the goal was going to be to fund the Highway Safety Foundation and, uh, just traffic safety in general. It was going to promote, um, you know, programs that would, that would right. help teens to be safer drivers. So uh, when was this? It was 1974, I believe. Uh, August 1973. 1973. Okay. Yeah, uh, and they received millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. They received uh, a little more than two million dollars. Ah, now I've got a little bit of uh, info about this. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Got some inside, the, insider this, tips. Well, this is kind of like uh, this plays in with other stuff because they they alleged that there was some fraud going on with the two million dollars. So they mm-hmm. let's say that they raised two million. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. I think it was maybe a little less. But this, uh, this, this telethon that did happen in 1973, as you said, um, it, it raised a lot of money. There were a lot of people that donated. Now, I heard that there were allegations that they took that money 
and mm-hmm. and left left town with it. And, yeah, you know, that that was where uh, you know the allegations of fraud came from. That uh, However, like that Mellencamp song, "Take the Money and Run." Yeah, <laughs> right, something like that. So. Um, but however, but but yeah. However, if you listen to Richard Wayman's side of the story, he says, "Yeah, well, the telethon was great. We raised uh, X number of dollars in in funds, you know, via donations. However, only five hundred twenty five thousand dollars of that came through. So, you know, even though the pledges, I guess maybe that's the way I should say it, the ah. pledges were two million dollars. We we raised, we actually received five five hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So, a lot of those people just didn't come through with the checks that they said they were going to." It was more for the publicity to get their name out there. So the celebrities that were appearing who were saying, and I don't know if it's them or not, but right. they would say, oh, I'd love to give $10,000 to this association. And then they never wrote the check. And that happened many, many times. Right, which means that this was, financially speaking, a disaster. Yes, and they had already planned for another telethon to happen mm-hmm. the following year because, well, we were just raised $2 million. Let's do it again. Right. Uh, they had to quickly say, you know, we're not going to do that. And as a matter of fact, after that telethon, that is when the Highway Safety Foundation folded. Yeah, that was that was when they folded and amid allegations of fraud. Amid allegations of fraud that they took the money and folded the company, um Wayman left. Yeah. And uh this was also, you know, still uh Wayman was dogged by allegations that he was making adult films, that mm-hmm. he was you know, that he was the creepiest of people. Okay, so they folded amid, you know, the, all these, uh, these fraud allegations that, you know, they, they truly did get the two million dollars and they folded up and Wayman left town and all that. But what really was going on, I think, was that they just didn't have the money to continue on the way they had because they had grown huge. Uh, Highway Safety Foundations had grown huge. They were even, they were even, um, sponsoring things like, uh, driving safety schools. And Ben, right. this is maybe one little gem that I pulled out of this whole thing that, What's that? well, there's more than that, but, but, I heard that Richard Wayman was the one that started Safety Town. Do you remember when we talked about Safety Whoa, Town? Oh, really? I think we called it Safety Town USA, and we talked about this in maybe a Nuts and Bolts episode, I think, uh-huh. or something like that. Um, this is where the kids were taught uh, the rules of the road in, like, in go-karts on in a miniature city. And Flint, Michigan was one home to one of these because General Motors provided the go-karts for this. I think it was uh, the Monza SS go-karts that are so cool. <laughs> yeah. And they had a fleet of these things out there, but the, the kids would learn, you know, at a, um, a grade school age, the rules of the road and they would be issued tickets if they didn't, uh, you know, adhere yeah, to staying yeah. to the right and parking correctly and all that stopping at a stop sign. Um, it was fascinating to hear that he had originated something like that, but you can see that, you know, among that and the printed materials that they were producing, mm-hmm. they were trying to produce films still, uh, with, you know, different messages, but they're still producing films. Um, you can see that they were spread really, really thin and that right. uh, things just, you know, they needed, they required a lot of money to continue a big, big operation like this to keep going. And with, uh, to be honest, $525,000, it's a lot of money. If that's what they really received, it's not enough to keep the whole thing going. Right. Especially when you consider the already, um, the, the already muddied ethical territory of, making a profit yeah. off of this sort of stuff. And you know what we should we should point out lest we paint Wayman as a villain or a monster uh that I don't think we have. I I hope we haven't cuz one thing a lot of people don't know is that 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 film, the the child molester film al- although it has the actual crime footage dramatic reenactments, it was not written or directed by Wayman. Mm-hmm, true. It was by a guy named Herbert J. Letter, and uh, Herbert J. Letter 
really only worked on this film because what Highway Safety Foundation would do is they would find a director who was experienced just to work on one film so that the production would move faster. Sure, yeah. They had, a, as we mentioned, they had other films too, like the Paper right. Hangers, the Shoplifter. Yeah. Uh, so you know, <laughs> you can you can see where they're going with these. Like they all had a message. They 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 definitely had a message. So, you know. The, the foundation found, uh, defolded rather in 1974, but things carry on a little bit more. Now, Earl Deems, as we t- talked about, the older right. guy in the, the documentary, chief of police, he continued to make films under the banner of Highway Safety Films Inc. And uh, he made a film called Drive and Survive. Um, and that is, uh, and I think he made another one that was called uh, There's a Message in Every Bottle, which means, uh, I think it's drunk driving uh, right. message as well. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of progresses through. Uh, the 1970s, he made another one called Options to Live, in which the narrator uh, kind of encapsulates the history and philosophy of the whole foundation. So if you want to look at that, it's called Options to Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does show various clips from those uh, those other gory films that we had talked about, because that's stuff that he had worked on personally, Earl. And in 1980s, so again, he's still working until the 1980s in this, right. on this foundation. Um, and he's married to, um, what was her name, Vaughn, um, Phyllis Vaughn. He's married yeah. to Phyllis Vaughn's sister, Dottie, Dottie Deems at this point. I guess it would be Dottie Vaughn, but, uh, Dottie Deems. And she has, uh, some type of, uh, some type of illness. So, um, she dies of that illness in the 1980s and Earl finally retired from the business, but he donated the entire, uh, driver safety films collection or, or, um, um, library, library. Yeah. to the Ohio State Department of Public Safety and the Ohio State Highway Patrol. So a lot of those classic films, and I don't know if this is still true or not, but mm-hmm. a lot of those classic films are, are were available on video cassette free of charge to Ohio residents um, at a certain website. And there's a there's a website that you can go to and, and get that. Now I don't know if that's still true or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is in these uh, these production notes that you had handed me of the Hell's Highway, um, uh, you know, documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had an interview from yeah, had an interview with a director and that type of thing. Uh-huh. But, um, I don't know if that's still true or not for Ohio residents, but you may be able to contact the Ohio State Patrol and get a free video cassette copy. Now, the reason I say I don't know if it's true or not because it's, it says video cassette copy. I mean, <laughs> by now they would have DVDs and or even you know downloads. Of it well, it's a guess. lot to digitize. Um, uh, that's true. That's but, true. But they may they they may well have it so you can see it firsthand. And if you happen to, I mean, we had we had a lot of people write in who told us about. You know, their experiences seeing these driver's ed films in particular. But if you happen to have seen them, let us let us know if it affected your driving. Did it did it scare you or did it make you a better driver? We had we had one uh we had uh one guy in particular, uh some listener mail where someone said, Yeah, it did make me a better driver and that's good because I drive for a living. You know, I'll be honest, I, I've we've we've been talking about this for about a month now. Yeah. I mean we yeah. really have. Like you know, Pre-production and all that, and right? This and this is dark, too. And yeah. it is. And once I started watching these films, and I've, I've watched many of them again, um, again with my jaded view, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's shocking enough that it has changed. Like, it, it makes me think twice about going over the speed limit. It makes me think twice about... Um, Gun in that yellow light. About Well, yeah, yeah, exactly right. It makes me think uh, think about um, anything, anything improper that you were doing before. I mean, if, even if it was just uh, a matter of, you know trying to have a meal on the road while you're going somewhere. Like, I know it's a terrible idea. Most people think they can handle it. They can handle eating a cheeseburger and balancing a, a soft drink, you know, 
on their knee or whatever. Uh-huh. And I know that I, I know there are people out there that think they can do it, and I I'm one of them. I think like I can handle this on the road, right? Right. But watching something like this makes you think twice about that. It makes you think, yeah, maybe you know, there's going to be that one time when I can't handle it, and I don't want it to be today. Mm-hmm. And it really does. It makes you think. Always put on your seatbelt. I always did in the past, but it really does make you think, like, there's no way I would ever vary on or waver on that at all. I will always wear my seatbelt. I make sure my kid always wears her seatbelt. It's just the way it is. It really does make an impression on you. Now, how long that's going to last in me, I don't know. But I do think about it daily at this point. I know it's one of our, you know, main topic focus ideas here, you know, so that's why we're thinking about it. But. But what do you think, Ben? Do you think it's going to change the way you drive? Because you've seen a fair amount of this stuff as well. Right. Yeah, I have seen a fair amount of it now. And I'll be honest, yes, but also I wonder how long this will this effect will last. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy when you do something every day, mm-hmm. relatively the same stuff, it's so easy for it just to become like a rote reflex. Oh, no. Okay, this is one of the uh, one of the things that they point out in one of the films that I saw yeah. is that you know there's a, a ride along with the state trooper and the state trooper is pointing out to the cameraman who's sitting in the back seat you know the you know waiting for an accident to happen really yeah um, he's pointing out that you know there's the uh, the too comfortable the too at ease driver exactly somebody who is uh, you know driving with one hand on the wheel and looking around and got one arm on the uh, on the passenger yeah. armrest and, they're reaching for that cheeseburger from earlier <laughs> yeah exactly I mean and that's the thing is like you know you become too comfortable in what you do and you become lax at that point you're not as alert you're a growing business which means you need every spare hour you can find that's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. 
People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to a really good cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Like, have you ever had the moment where you are driving and you get home or you get to your destination and you totally don't remember it? And, yes. And not like, you know, not like a um, an Alzheimer's moment or some kind of prescription drug thing. It's just a route that you go so often you don't really think about it. I have, you know, I've had this many times where I thought, like, I don't remember that whole ride home what happened because right. I was thinking about something that happened at school, yeah. something that happened at work. Um, it happens often. I bet a lot of people have that where it's like, like, how did I get from there to here? Right. And, you know, you really had one train of thought the whole time and it wasn't driving. No, Not about no. driving, but, you, but, you know, you, along the way, you just get to the point where you did, well, hopefully you stopped at every stoplight right. and stop sign and made the right decisions, mm-hmm. but... Um, no one, no one honked at you and, you know, woke you out of your, uh, your temporary days or anything like that. So maybe everything went okay and you made it home safe, mm-hmm. but you know, what happened? I personally am glad that kids are not watching these movies, even driving age kids. Yeah. Uh, I am interested to see what you think listeners, do you have a, uh, do you have a better way? How, how should kids be taught driver's safety? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do they cross the line and, and. Will we cross the line again? Do you think that they'll come back? Will there be a resurgence of this type of thing? Now, I know that uh, we had mentioned in another episode, maybe even about everybody holding a cell phone. Yeah. Um, it seems like every every accident is documented by a few people, you know, that stick their cell phone out in front of them uh, the second they see something happens. And uh, you think that, you know, some of that stuff may make its way back into the classrooms? I, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. I, it seems I, it's, like it's too over the top. Yeah, it's 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 too over the top, and a lot of a lot of schools in different states have actually they have opt in drivers ed programs, mm-hmm. uh, which you know can be dry for some people, right? Yeah, it's not the most uh, scoot to the edge of your seat kind of course. No, but that's kind of the ones that I saw when I was a kid. Right? Yeah, I would get I, I would definitely get those where you know it's just a a picture of a road and you have to name the things. Or yeah, I guess. And you or, to, you know, there's something that was a lot less dramatic. You know, I mean, it was like mm-hmm. uh, there's Dead Man's Curve and, uh, oh, look, there's skid marks going over the, the cliff. Right. Uh, but you didn't see the aftermath of that whole thing like in these films. Now, okay, one last thing. I got, uh-huh. How about, oh, I got one last thing. For got, this oh, whole, okay. For this whole big three-part episode. Some closing remarks. Yeah, one last thing. All right. One more thing. So, Ben, here's my one last thing. We had talked um, weeks ago. Now, we had seen, you know, the, the footage, and we'd, we'd kind of, like, uh, mulled over, you know, some of the stuff that we had wanted to talk about, and, you know, we'd watched some of the films and read some things about it. And I said, I've already started watching some of these, and I'd watched the documentary, and I said, what, what stood out to you most? Was there one image that stood out to you among all the others? Ah, uh, yes. And, uh, and, and I said, there's definitely one for me. And mm-hmm. I, I said... Um, there's one particular moment where there's a state trooper and it's, it's the last thing that you see in this documentary, in this health highway documentary. Yes. And it's, it's the standalone moment. There's no blood and guts and gore or anything, but it is a, is it a 
it is a state trooper standing in the rain uh, among a bunch of wreckage. You know, there's cars, there's wreckage all around him. And he's he's almost hyperventilating. And he has this terrified look on his face. Mm-hmm. And it's just for maybe three seconds. That's it. Yeah. And there's really nothing much to it, really. He's in a, in a rain slicker. But he just looks so horrified and so pale and so stark in that in that setting. Mm-hmm. And af- after all of that, you know, the gore and stuff that I've seen in all those other films, this, to me, was the most shocking image I saw through the whole thing. And I don't know what film it comes from, but it is the very last thing that you will see in this documentary. And I mean last thing as if, as in it, when you're watching the documentary, watch the credits, and after the credits, you see this for three seconds, and then it goes yeah. to black, and that's it. That's it. That's it. And, and he doesn't say anything. It's just him, I, I think, right after he found uh, a fatal accident. Yeah, well, that's it was described here in this uh, thing. So, so during that meeting, this is what I found interesting. I said that was it, and that was kind of a – it was actually it was surprising to me when I said it, but it, but it definitely stood out. It's a uh, – even when I think about it now, it's it's like just uh, an image that's burned in my head now. Yeah. Um. You had asked me in that meeting what it was, and I told you. And then at the end of that meeting, you handed me these production notes, right? Yes. So reading the interview with the director, his name is Brett Wood, of that uh, that documentary, here's a funny thing. They asked him, and I hadn't known this, uh, they said, here's a question. Was there one interview or piece of footage that really stuck in your mind and seemed to encapsulate the phenomenon of highway safety films for you? And the director himself says this. He says, I, I guess the most profound image to me is a really brief shot of a highway patrolman just after the body he has helped remove from a wreck is being hauled away. It's the last image you see in Hell's Highway. Um, you know, he's, he's standing there exhausted, panting for breath, and with a really ambiguous expression on his face. Nausea, despair, and hope that the victim will survive, although judging from the cop's expression, he probably won't. And and honestly, like, I, I didn't know that he had chosen that. We, mm-hmm. I found that after I already talked to you about it. Yeah. Um, it really is, for whatever reason, that just is a standout moment for me in that, in that entire documentary. So it's after having to move the body. Yeah. Not when he first got Yeah. There. I mean, he's just, he's that shell shocked at that point. I mean, it's just, a, it's amazing. This, this whole thing, if you, if you're interested in this type of thing, if you, if you think that you can stomach this type of documentary, mm-hmm. um, I rec, I highly recommend that you do. I mean, you can get it in a couple of different places that, uh, that, that video house or film house. Uh, yes. Yeah, something weird. Yes. Yeah, something uh, weird. Dot com. And then you can find it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's where I watched it on yeah. Amazon Prime, and uh, it's uh, I think it's I think it's worth it. I mean, from what we've told you, we've talked three hours about a documentary that's an hour and a half, uh, but but not just that. It's it was the documentary plus uh, forty years of film. Yes, yes, and uh, and forty years of society safety and uh, and very dangerous situations. I got to tell you, man, this is one of the darkest subjects we have covered in a long time. I need a. I need something lighter. We got to do. Uh, let's do something. Another well, clown cars. Yeah, let's do another clown cars. Let's. Uh, maybe listeners, you can suggest a little more lighthearted topic for us to cover. We hope. I. I usually say we hope you enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed making it, but I don't feel it's appropriate here. How about we hope you learned something? Yeah, we hope you learned something, and uh, we hope to hear from you uh, about whether, again, whether you think these films helped more than they hurt yeah was it uh, was it something that they should have done i mean was it was it right at the time was it was it wrong at the time would it be right now right um i, I don't know i think i think it really has crossed the line i mean back and forth and we said we weren't going to really take a stance on this but you know what after all this 
I can say I can take a stance on this that uh, 12 years old is too young to see this mm-hmm. 15, 16 maybe but um, I, I gotta tell you Ben I still feel like that's still too young to see something like this Absolutely. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and tell us what you think about this. Uh, you can also contact us directly with those uh, lighthearted upcoming topic suggestions. Yeah, something uplifting. Yeah, uplifting. That's an even better word. Or uh, just tell us your experience with the safety films. Uh, you can email us directly if you're not into the social media rigmarole. Uh, we of all people get that. Our email address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions... Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.